Chapter 16 uh, is a fascinating study in the life of Abram. Another chapter, Abram would probably prefer not being there, or Sarah. Uh, it's one of the few passages in the Old Testament that actually has a commentary in the New Testament in the book of Galatians chapter 4. We may make it to there tonight. <clears throat> God contrasts twos in the Bible. He started with uh, Cain and Abel, um, Abraham and Lot, um, he contrasts children also, the son of Hagar with the son of Sarah. Uh, he's going to contrast two mountains, the mountain Sinai and Mount Moriah, in comparison to each other. In the story and life of Abram, this was a test of faith that he terribly failed. Uh, rather than patiently waiting on the promises of God to be fulfilled, he operated in his own efforts. Hagar is not a picture of sin. She is a picture of the natural. In the economy of God, better is the enemy of the best. The best is the Lord himself. God is always leading us to him and away from ourselves, our own abilities, our own efforts, our own strengths. Now, God has created us with ability, strengths, different in each person. And God can use those. But he has, in a sense, to baptize those in his death before he ever can use them. There's way too much us in the Christian life when we start out, and that's why we encounter so much failure. We operate by our strengths, and God cannot use those. All he can use is himself in our progress and processes. So he gets us away from that, ourselves, the natural. What God desires in the Christian life is a supernatural display of himself, something we cannot do. Well, chapter 16 is really all about what we can do. And take a look at it with me. Chapter 16, verse 1. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. At this point, Abram is 85, Sarah is 75. She is probably past the time that she can bear children physically. It would be a miracle for her to bear children at 75. Take a look at verse 1. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar probably picked her up down in Egypt, a result of going somewhere Abram shouldn't have gone. There's always baggage. Sometimes there's baggage from going places we should not have gone and doing things we should not have done. Hagar came along as a result of Abram being down in Egypt, probably. So she had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. Sarah said to Abram, Behold now, Notice the construction of the argument. It's fascinating. Behold now. Take a look at the physical circumstances that we are in. Isn't that always the press? Isn't that always before us? Lord, you're in the heavens, but I've got to deal with works Monday morning. You, you, you know, you ride on the clouds, but I ride on 95 where people want to run you over. The real world that we maybe think God doesn't inhabit that we have to deal with. Behold now, 
it says, she says, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Isn't that interesting? Really, she's right. He had prevented her. The Lord is the one who opens the womb, and he had closed it for Sarah. So really, she's accurate in what she's saying, but she's accusing God of not coming through on his promises. Now, both of them knew the promises of God. They knew that an heir had to be born. A son had to come in order for God to fulfill his promises to Abram. And he wasn't coming through. He wasn't pulling it off. Time was itching away in their life, and he wasn't doing it. But we live in the here and now. We live in a time bubble where we see an end to time. God works from eternity. When he's not ready, he's not ready, no matter how long it takes. But we're impatient. We want it now. We want Christian process now. We want growth now. We want to make it to the mountaintop now. We want experience victory now. And God says, i got a promise for you. It takes time. But here she says, the Lord has prevented me from having children. So she devises a plan. Here it goes. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. Wow. Common practice of the day. The servant of a wife joined with a husband and they had legally... Those children belong to the wife. Legal practice of the day, there it is. But not the plan of God. Human effort. Natural ability. Helping God build his kingdom. Natural ability. Helping God build his church. God doesn't need any help in building his church. God doesn't need any help in building the Christian who you'd like to straighten out. The one who you got processes on and plans for. and He doesn't need that. God is bigger than that. Well, listen, look with me at the end of verse 2. It's tragic. It really is. Abram, listen to the voice, voice of Sarah. This is not the first time that a man got in trouble by listening to his wife. Amen. And it wouldn't be the last. Amen? Amen. Amen. Notice in verse 15, verse 15, chapter 15, chapter 15, verse 6. It says about Abram that he believed the Lord. But you find him later on listening to the voice of Sarah in a plan that never should have been hatched. One commentator had a fascinating suggestion about this proposal of Sarah, and I want to suggest it to you for your thought train. You remember in Abram's past when he took Sarah down into Egypt? You remember his plan? He subjected her to the possibility of other men marrying her and taking her off. She went off to the Pharaoh's castle and was one of, her, one of his harem. By that weakness that he suggested into the family, by that terrible move, perhaps he cracked the door open for Sarah now to suggest this. Isn't this fascinating? Be very careful the decisions you make in life. Sometimes they have ripple effects down the way. 
weakening sometimes family and relationships. Now God in His grace can overcome all that and heal and have victory, but it's an interesting thought, is it not? Here Sarah was subject to men and she thought, well, what's the difference? Have Hagar, my servant, so I can have children. All right, that, be that as it may, look at verse 3. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, don't miss that, 10 years they'd waited, 10 years they wandered, God was not coming through. Impatience with the plan of God, impatience with Him. Stop it, look up, sin is a shortcut. Sin is most assuredly, most of the time, a shortcut. What do I mean by that? When God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and gave them two trees to eat out, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God would most assuredly allow them, why would God put a tree of knowledge and evil in a garden if he didn't mean for, Abraham, for Adam and Eve to, to eventually eat of that tree? The tree that he desired for them to eat of first was the tree of life. Because once they imbibed on the life of God, turning their natural life into a spiritual life, they would have been able to handle the knowledge of good and evil. But sin is always a shortcut to what you want, not waiting on God to bring it to you. Always. Always. When Satan came to Jesus in the temptation, he said, look, bow down to me and all of these kingdoms will be yours. Well, in the end, all of those kingdoms will be his. Amen? He wanted him to shortcut and bypass the cross that righted sin. You see, he tried to get him off the track to, pay, to do God's plan and God's will for him dying at Calvary. Go right to the kingdoms. So, young man, don't wait for God to bring along the right woman. Just whatever girl you're particularly dating, have sex with her. Vice versa, young lady, don't wait. Don't wait for God to bring along the right man. Just keep the boyfriend you got by doing whatever he wants you to do. Shortcuts. Sin. We wait for the plan of God. We wait for the action of God. And God brings his will. And then it's a beautiful thing. Amen. Beautiful. Shortcuts. This was a shortcut to the plan of God. There it is. So take a look at it. Verse 3. So after he'd been in the land ten years, Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar. The Egyptian, notice her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. Remember that. Remember that last phrase. Remember that Sarah's intent was to give Hagar to Abram as a wife. You'll find out later on that God doesn't recognize that at all. But that's, that's the thought. This is a, a, a second wife to you. Well, as, as, as the plan goes on, and again, this is not... All right, look at verse 4. And he went into Hagar and she conceived. I, I take that quite rapidly. In contrast to Sarah, who couldn't bear children, Hagar gets pregnant almost immediately. Looks like the plan is working out pretty well. God couldn't pull it off, so we did. And man, it looks good. So she gets pregnant. Well, look what happened. It's impossible to enter into this kind of relationship without problems. 
you can't sin like this and not get it really messed up. The movies will tell you that, young people. The movies will tell you that you can jump in the sack with anybody and there's no complications. Life isn't like that. Uh, The movies will tell you that you can shoot somebody dead and run off into the field and get away with it. It's not like that. Sin will take you a lot farther than you ever imagined it would take you and hurt you deeper than you ever dreamed of being hurt. It's not something to play with at all, ever. Notice, and when she saw that she had conceived Hagar, she looked with contempt on her mistress, on Sarah. Yeah, I I got the children. I got the child, you didn't. All of a sudden, a servant saw her place as the wife who would supplant Sarah. This is, this is, this is, this is a soap opera right here, is it not? Yeah, this is Dallas and it's just all wrapped up into one. You know, J.R., the whole deal. This is, this is ancient drama at its best, at its worst, actually. So Sarah said to Abram, I didn't like the way she just looked at me. That's a paraphrase, a loose paraphrase. Actually, she said, may the wrong done to me be on you. I could camp on this for a good long time. (laughs) This is all your fault. Yeah. This is, amen, this is all your fault. Oh, I just want to preach for a while on this. No matter what happens, men, it's your fault. You might as well just say it. The first two words you ought to say, gentlemen, when you walk into the house is, I'm sorry. I don't know what for what, but I'm sorry. (laughs) And quick. I was wrong. It's my fault. I'm sorry. What do I need to do? All right, I'm done. I got got it out of my system. You, you can't win that one, guys. You just don't forget it. Just you can't win it. You will not win it. Those of us who've married for a while know you just don't even try. Tony, we don't even try anymore, do we? We just give up. I'm sorry. Sarah said to Abram, "Look, my wrong be may the wrong done to me be on you. It's all your fault. I, I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I didn't like the way she looked at me. She looked at me with contempt. And then she gives him an ultimatum." How deceitful the heart is. How wicked. May the Lord judge. Be, she, first of all, she brings the Lord into it. That the whole reason that the plan got hatched is because the Lord isn't doing what he ought to be doing. And then she uses his name. Look, the Lord judge between you and me. And Abram gives, us, gives up his place of male leadership. Really, he's already given it up. Because when she came with that plan, he should have looked at her and said, no, no, ma'am. The plan of God is for us to wait, and we shall wait. There's sometimes, and I'm being serious, gentlemen, there's sometimes that a wife wants you to say no. Wants you to stand and live on principle. And say, we're not going in that direction. God has given the place of leadership to men and husbands, and fathers to be strong, and to be a man, and to be the leader, and to lead his family spiritually. God held 
Adam responsible when he fell. God holds Abram responsible when he falls. And God holds you. Do not release that place of leadership to your wife. No matter how rough things get, you are the leader. And any woman who loves Christ wants her husband to be strong in the Lord. Okay, enough of that. So take a look at verse 6. And Abram said to Sarah, Behold, your servant is in your power. Notice he didn't say my wife. He said your servant. He disassociates himself with Hagar entirely. Wow. Your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. And Sarah dealt harshly with her and she fled from her. How cruel is all that? That is cruel. Hard circumstances in life. Here's Hagar getting beat up by Sarah. Well, what does she to do? Notice uh, that in the end of verse 6 that Hagar fled. She took off. She didn't like the circumstances, so she took off. Notice there is a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ here in verse 7, the angel of the Lord. When you see the angel of the Lord, that's Jesus in the form of an angel in the Old Testament. He appears a number of times, but the angel of the Lord was most assuredly Christ. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness. Now, these are beautiful texts to preach out of. Because where did the Lord find her? By the way, he found her. I love that. That's what grace does. It finds us. It finds us by springs of water, and it finds us in the wilderness. In a dry place. Isn't that beautiful? Preachers have waxed elephants for years on this kind of text, and, and, and rightly so, that it's not in the, 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 the glamour of life, it's in the wilderness moments that, that he finds us. Notice in verse 8, and he said, Hagar, servant of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? These are not questions for information. This is questions for Hagar to stop and go, wait a minute, what's going on in my life? 